0: Absolute legends, thrash legends, Anvil. I'm talking about Canadian Thrashers Anvil who invented they invented the thrash metal music, the thrash metal genre, if you will, before the big four or any of these big fours, before Metallica, before Megadeth, before Slayer, before Anthrax, before Testament, before Overkill, and any of these people. There was a band called Anvil from Canada, A N V I L. Steve Lips, Kudlow guitarist, lead vocalist, and of course Mr. Rob Reiner on the drums originally ever since the 70s. They started off as Lips, and as uh, Mr. Kudlow Lips, let's call him Lips as everybody does, Lips talks to us about the name change and this and that and why they changed from Lips the band name to anvil and so they pioneered the style of thrash in my opinion and in a lot of people's opinion lips along with mr rob reiner and the bassist back then they uh pioneered that style before metallica and slayer or any of these uh, bay area or, or new york based thrash bands these guys were around so anyways so lips talks to us about this subject and other subjects past present future and uh their latest effort their latest album legal at last you guys have to check it out that's their latest effort uh you guys have to check it out there's a video for it called nab in nebraska very 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 cool video you guys check it out and pick up their copy of legal at last along with other copies of other albums the infamous metal on metal and so um I'll cut this short, and uh, I'll let you guys listen to our interview with Lips from Anvil. Enjoy. I've seen your documentary. I've seen uh, your stories, a couple of interviews, and man, you guys have been through a lot, man. Let's start off with uh, uh, your latest album, uh, "Legal at Last." Uh, I love the song "Nabbed in Nebraska," man. Great stuff. Uh, talk to us about this—the uh, making of this record. Can you talk to us about that?
1: Well, we, we recorded it in Germany uh it would be last actually just over a year ago um the record came out february 14th and then we went out on tour and uh, about two weeks after that and then and then two weeks after that the tour ended because of the covid problem yeah. so yeah that's kind of what happened um and right right now currently we've written another album to get ready to record in a, in a year from now <laughs>
0: Oh, wow.
1: and we're gonna try and do this all over again everything got scrubbed that we should have been doing all this all this time you know for the last year we haven't been able to tour so you know if, if you can't tour you might as well write so that's what we've been doing um other than that you know what the hell are you can can you say <laughs> it's <laughs> locked out.
0: Right. It's just a tough times for everyone. Yeah. You guys have been cited to influencing a bunch of bands, man. Many, many bands uh Slayer, Metallica, Anthrax, Megadeth, just to name a few. Uh you're playing that stuff before those guys did, man. Uh do you feel you yeah. guys get the do you feel you get the right credit for that for inventing the thrash style? Well, no, we didn't really get the credit. Everybody else did that
1: came out after us. Um, <laughs> that's just the way it is. It is. It's 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 not an unusual it's not unusual, you know what I mean. Um, that's the music business. It's not that the band failed. The music business failed. The band, you know, the people that the people that we got got involved with couldn't help all. And like, situations made it impossible to, to get the credit. You know, when you come from an you know, an American record contract, they kind of don't want to know who we are. Yeah. At least that, that's what my, my experiences are. Um, we were way ahead of the curve. Um, they didn't know how to market us. And they passed on us. They, they, what basically fundamentally happened, we had our first three albums recorded, and when we got involved with David Krebs' management, which is Lieber and Krebs, that's the people that managed Aerosmith, Ted Nugent, Scorpions, Joan Jett I mean I can go on for it's a, it's a big huge list but um, and then and not to mention Michael Bolton
0: really <laughs> anyway
1: <laughs> um, it didn't do us much good having a, a, a big management because when the big management went to the major labels the major labels basically said we want your first three albums for free okay. give, give us your first three albums for free yeah we know that they cost the record company you know Thousands of dollars, but give them to us, and then we'll pay you if we sell you any, sell any.
0: Yeah.
1: Well, that doesn't business doesn't work like that. People don't hand you hand you their you know life's work for free and then they pay me later. It just doesn't work like that. You get an advance, or you don't do it, and that's what exactly what happened. So the label that we were assigned to in Canada didn't didn't hand over the masters to labels in the United States waiting to get paid. I, I don't blame them, but in the, in the process, the ship left left the shore and sailed without us. Yeah. That's it.
0: How, how did you come up with that style, man? Uh, w- were you influenced by uh, other bands, such as Motorhead or how did you beat, uh, for example, Metallica and Slayer to that punch? What, what would you say was the, how did you come up with that style?
1: We're, we're older.
0: There you go. <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> what else are you gonna say? I'm three or two or three years older than those guys. End of story. I was in line first. Wow. It's like, you know,
1: what what you know, somebody had to do it. Yeah. And let's face it, it's a different kind of situation. We have a the drummer our drummer Rob Reiner is is a very, very spectacular special drummer. Awesome. And and inventive, and innovative. Oh yeah. So when I came up with speed riffs that I thought were like Deep Purple, and he's playing double bass drum, double bass drum t- to these these kind of riffs, that was the invention of speed metal. People never heard that done before, and that is that's an innovation that's that's created between a guitar player and a drummer. It's oh, yeah. only 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 a combination of that could do that. Not a, not a guitar player and a vocalist, but a guitar player and a drummer. That's who's going to create that kind of music because the the faster you play and the more the more parts you put in, the less the less important vocals are, and that, that's basically the direction in which speed metal took. And that's why there's virtually no melody in speed metal because you can't. There's no time. To create a melody in the in the spaces that you that you make in the songs, and so it's it all goes hand in hand. So some of our our stuff like like six 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 is is almost void of 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 uh, melody. Yeah. But that's 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 the style. That's the stuff that everything you know Slayer listened to that and said, okay, let's make a band around that sound. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, the syncopation and the the ideas that were expressed in songs like uh, Jackhammer or or, or or even March of the Crabs became became Metallica. Yeah. You know, it, it was it's it's actually quite interesting. It's just that when when we began and when it all started, we were there was no such thing as heavy metal. Right. That's not and in fact at the beginnings of our band we were called we were called Lips because. Heavy metal didn't exist. It was not really. It wasn't called that. It was called hard rock, and that's it. Yeah. Or heavy rock. That's what it was called. That's what it was known to me as. And um, when we put out our first album, we, it was almost like um, it was on the edge of the beginnings of what was called heavy metal. And what happened was when we went to when we went and got our first record deal, the record company went, "Okay, guys." We love your sound, we think you're really unique, you've got something special here, but we don't like the name. Change your name. Being that we had virtually anything in the book to call us, we figured, well, what could be more heavy metal than an anvil? So we called the band Anvil. And interestingly, we had already titled our first album as Being Hard and Heavy, and the the title actually Hard and Heavy fit the name Anvil a lot better than it ever did with lips. So that certainly was a, a positive. Yeah. A positive thing so that's how that all came together and and of course calling the album hard and heavy was the, the, the beginning of our alliteration titles and then when we when i i came up with the riff for metal on metal it, to me it sounded like it was saying metal on metal so we called the album that yeah. and we've kept that kind of um, the alliteration thing going for all these years and all of our albums have Alliteration titles, which is absolutely amazing and an incredible thing for uh, marketing and, and and advertisement. I mean, let's let's face it, everything everything is done like that. But this was a kind of an interesting thing to do. Um, naming ourselves after an inanimate ab- object really then uh, that becomes kind of like almost like a logo because it's it's an inanimate object that has a, and a shape that has almost a commerciality. Everybody knows what an anvil is because everybody's watched the Bugs Bunny commercial cartoons. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, a lot of things came, came together for us because it's all at the right place at the right time. But having said that, when it came to getting the record deal at the most important time, particularly in the United States, which was the most important place to have a record deal at that particular time, when i'm talking about between 1983 and 87 and you don't have a record deal guess what you've missed the boat yeah and that's that's precisely why you know what you know that the guy who actually signed Anvil came to see us a year before he saw metallica oh wow but 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 the poor guy is sitting there and he
0: goes i don't know how to market this i, I don't even know what what you call this music we were ahead of our time are you talking so, about you're talking about Cezula
1: well no no actually is even what I'm talking about is Michael Allegro okay. the guy who actually signed Metallica to the major deal okay that's who I'm talking about wow. yeah Johnny picked up Johnny was was interested in us at the same time and that, that was like a year before Metallica and we had gotten involved with David Krebs and at that particular time when you look at Johnny Zazula, who owned, who was running a, a record store out of a flea market, and then you look at David Krebs, who has got a, a you know, a, a, a an office in, in downtown New York City, and has managed every fucking major band in the world. Who would you go with?
0: <laughs> right?
1: So, like, whoops! <laughs> it, it was a mistake, but right. <laughs> Not some, not some, a kind of mistake that you can blame yourself for. Let's put it that way. I, I mean, the, 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 you 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 take your best bet, and you, you go with it. That's what happened, and having done that, it ruined everything. It <laughs> ruined everything. Well, it, it didn't really ruin everything. All it did was it just postponed my my eventual and imminent fame. Is what it actually did. That's all it did. Right. At that was- the end of the day, everybody that was going to know me knows me. <laughs> you yep. know it. it when they put the movie out and i was on conan conan o, we were on the conan o'brien show and we played metal on metal in one scene in one song i was seen and heard by more people than in 35 years of my band wow. right so incredible it is incredible it is it's, has, it has it has its you know we have our story we have the bad stuff but there's also the good stuff and the good stuff is what you live for and that's what is gonna is outstanding and that's what you get remembered for so it's all good I have no complaints I haven't worked a regular job I haven't done a delivery or gone anywhere or done it I haven't done a damn fucking thing other than rock and roll for the last 13 years so I would say that the success that that evaded that that evaded me and 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 I couldn't
0: find. I finally found. So it's all good. That was one of my one of my questions. Uh, have things changed personally uh, in your life since the documentary? But you just answered it right there. Nice.
1: Yeah, it, it, it's pretty obvious. Yeah. Um, and it's it's a it's on a worldwide basis. It's not we're not just talking about one particular market. We're talking about. I don't think that there's even there's there's very few places I haven't been already now. Wow. And there's very, very few places that don't want us back. We have not stopped, we have not stopped working. So it's, it's really, really worked out well. Um, is there millions of dollars? Of course there's not millions of dollars. There's no, there's no infrastructure left in the music industry for that to happen. And what, you're probably scratching your head. What do you mean by that? Well, what do I mean by that? There's no record sales. Yeah. What record sales? Who sells records or CDs anymore?
0: No one does. Right? It's, it. it's the end of that.
1: It's all on Spotify or it's downloaded. The odd person collects, collects the hard copies. But beyond that, there's no real business. The whole entire business is about playing live and selling T-shirts. Exactly. That's how you make your money. So, so that's I... what I've been doing for 13 years. And I'm making a lovely living and I'm having the time of my life up until march of this year and now i've got to wait until the, this you know society and all this fucking shit gets all fucking cleaned up and everybody gets vaccine vaccinated yeah. i'll go back to normal at some point
0: you guys have been through a lot uh, obviously uh is there something you would do different if you had the chance
1: no no
0: nothing okay cool
1: it, 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 you know, to go back in time and change it well it's it's You can't do that, so there's not much point in contemplating it. If I could, if I could, I would go back to 1983 after I finished the Forge and Fire album and I would have fired my bass player and guitar player and hired the bass player that I have now and go move on from there. That's what I would have done. But I didn't. You can't jump jump ahead with 30 years, you know what I mean? you got to live it first.
0: Any words of advice for new new kids forming metal bands and this and that what can you tell these kids
1: Well ultimately the most important the most important aspect in playing metal or being in a metal band or even being a musician you have to write music that no one else can do but you It's nice. all about finding your own identity not using somebody else's it's actually coming up with your identity and some people would immediately ask well how the fuck do you do that well you just do it that's how you do it you do it by not thinking about it you do it by picking up your instrument and playing what's in your heart and what's in your soul and be creative and imaginative and come up with things that that are unique and only only to yourself you set yourself up in your life so that you don't depend on your music to make you money. Another big mistake most musicians make is making all is making everything dependent on the music. As soon as you do that, you will fail. Because 99.9% of music never gets heard and never gets signed and never gets known about. Good advice. So, nice. So what you, the, the, what the, what's left is that 0.1% that are original bands that are completely original and are fighting fucking people who are doing it because they love it, not because they're looking to make money so that they can stick around long enough for someone to hear it, notice it, put it out, and then get famous. That's who makes it, and that's how you make it in eventuality, but you got put it, You got to be willing to put your life into it. And do it because you love it, not because you're there because I want to make money. You got to do it for the same reason that Mick Jagger and Keith Richards are still doing it after almost sixty fucking years. Exactly. They've got bank banks. Their bank their bank accounts are so big. Believe me, they're not doing it for music. They love what they do, and that's why they made it as big as they did.
0: Those guys have been at it since the '60s for sure. Well. Wow. that's right. Um, which is your favorite Anvil record?
1: Yeah, probably probably the, the two best of's.
0: <laughs> which makes
1: a lot of sense, don't you
0: think? <laughs> yeah, they're good Whenever
1: I get asked that, it's like, what could be more obvious? We've got two best of albums. I like those the best. And they were best of albums that were my favorite songs out of the whole pile. So <laughs> it makes sense that I would say they're my favorite albums.
0: Now that we're talking about piles and uh, compilations, uh, how do you guys come up with a set list with so many albums and so so many good songs? You know.
1: Well, you, you actually, what happens is, is you, as you go, you you've picked up a few songs on after each album, and you add them to the set. Some stay, some don't. It's not something that you're consciously that you're consciously focusing on. The stuff that stays is the stuff that people love to hear, so you keep it stuff that they don't particularly like to hear, you move on and you pick up something else that's new. And that's what you do. And that's what we've been doing for 40 plus years. There are songs that obviously you're gonna play metal on metal every night, so that's never gonna leave. Obviously, you're never gonna, you're gonna always be playing opera. You know, like there's certain songs, you're obviously gonna be playing your 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 signature, signature songs like 666, which is your influence, uh, for speed metal, you're going to be playing March of the Crabs, which is also a top-notch, past, past, piece of material that you would you can't you can't exclude. So a lot of a lot of stuff is dictated by 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 the popularity of the of the particular albums in their particular time. So the the, the, the songs haven't really dis, disappeared from the set. There there are those that would criticize some of what we do because in the sense they want to hear. The deeper cuts or the other alternative cuts from the same albums, and it's like, yeah, but the, the problem is, is that a good seventy to eighty percent of the audience that is coming to see Anvil today have never seen us play Mothra because it's their first time seeing Anvil. Second. So you you got to you got to take into consideration you got that most people haven't seen the band still to this day. Yeah. And that's who's really mostly coming to see us, especially as a result of the movie. So, playing certain choice cuts from the old days and keeping them consistent in that in that regard is the way to go. You don't play your deeper cuts so that the, that they for sure they've never heard. Obviously, everybody's heard metal on metal. You've got to play that, yeah. right? And it makes sense that you are playing it. You don't take that out of the set.
0: I watched the documentary, uh, the movie, uh, the Anvil story couple of times a bunch of times actually it's real moving man it's real uh it's awesome it's uh you guys sleeping in train stations uh fighting with club owners to get paid etc uh here's a dumb question uh was there anything staged or, or, or all these real stories no it's, well that's the whole thing they filmed us for
1: three years oh yeah that's, <laughs> that's, right. that's over three
0: years staged
1: <laughs> Just- <laughs> I have
0: to laugh. It's edited. There's some rough stories. That
1: means anything, right? It's got to be made into a story so that it makes sense, so it's got to be edited. But staged? No.
0: Nothing. Nothing. Not one
1: fucking thing that I could think of. No. Talk about
0: adventure. That's a tough adventure, man.
1: Yeah, well that's it. You know, the guy starts filming and it's kind of made its own path. You don't guide it or try to act. Like, we're not actors. A lot of people thought we were, though. A lot of people thought that was an active movie, you know.
0: I had somebody somebody asked me that question. Do you think the Anvil movie was uh, staged or pieces staged? I was like, I don't think so.
1: <laughs> no, and that's the thing that because it's so some of it's so heart wrenching, you can't believe that it that 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 uh, and the, the emotion is so deep that you you're 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 almost convinced it's the acting. But actually, it's the other way around, and it's it's interesting because, as an example, uh, Sir Anthony ha- uh, Hopkins watched the Anvil movie, and he was so so blown away by the, the the directing, in the sense that you got you evoked. when when I say you, and he was talking to the to the director, that he evoked such depth in in. In reality and and it's not even an actor you know the the level of emotion was so so intense and and it's it's being conveyed by someone who isn't even an actor that's about the camera going on the right at the right moment and the way that it's edited into the movie and where it fits and how it fits well Anthony Hopkins was so impressed that he had he had the uh, movie company actually hire Sasha Gervazi to direct the movie Hitchcock. Okay. Yeah. That's just that's just an example. Of, that's how actors looked at at the, uh, at, the at the movie. I mean, and there were there were many moments and many actors that I met along the way that had, have have seen the movie and that have actually become kind of acquaintances. And, and it's actually absolutely phenomenal. And they they think it's the most amazing thing they've ever seen.
0: Yeah.
1: One of the first first actors that was super impressed was Robert Redford. Really? Wow. Him, when, when Sasha had, had sent the movie to Sundance, Robert Redford watched the movie and he was like fucking blown right the fuck away. Right? Wow. That, that it, it got into it got into the uh, into Sundance yeah. and and it was it was the uh, people's choice movie of, of that particular year. Awesome. So it's it was extremely outstanding. There's a lot of there's a lot of hard work, especially in the in the in the release of that movie. I was I was waking up at five o'clock in the morning to do interviews virtually all day for weeks and weeks on end. Really? I was traveling all over the world, going to all kinds of uh, film festivals and and doing Q and A's everywhere on the release of the record of the release of the movie i the band actually toured all over the united states playing in the, the in the actual uh uh movie theaters we the movie would play and then we'd come out as a surprise at the end of the movie and, and play four or five songs
0: i heard about that yeah wow.
1: So this was an extraordinary revolutionary thing the movie was a a huge success it relaunched my entire career and it hasn't it hasn't dissipated at all we are now 13 years since that movie came out and people are still talking about it i'm still talking about it i'm still doing interviews i'm still it's still as relevant today as it was then
0: there is a, a scene in there where I could relate to, because I play in a local band, I'm a musician too, and I went through that same thing you went through when you were trying to get your money, when you you couldn't get paid by some club owner, bar owner.
1: Yeah, that's pretty common and typical. Yeah. But but having said that, it's not like that happened to me a lot of times, and in fact, the real truth is, that might have been the second time in 45 years that I had a situation like that. Oh. Only this, only that particular time. I had a camera watching, and I wasn't going to take it lying down. Yeah. Or bent over. I'm going to fucking kick the shit out of this fucking guy. No one's going to fucking rip me off yeah. and let the whole world let let the whole world see that I'm going to take that. I'm not going to put up with that. Right. And I went fucking that's like fucking temper, man.
0: Yeah, I don't blame you. That's just not fair. I mean, you showed up late or whatever. And yeah. Don't... Well,
1: the whole thing is, if it, then why are people yelling? You know. Ample, very good. The place is still fucking packed. What's your fucking problem, man? You're yeah. selling booze? What's your fucking problem? Pay the band.
0: Right. These people are really, man. really
1: stupid, man. Yeah. The, the guy was, the, ultimately, the guy was looking to get out of having to pay us. It had nothing to do whether we were late. It was, of course, frustrating for him and, and very worrisome, but there were three or four cover bands or uh, opening bands. Yeah. We got there and loaded in and played. rather than set up all of our equipment and have everybody play in front of it you follow what i'm saying yeah the only difference was is that we played after the cover band after the support bands which we were supposed to but we didn't we didn't make them set up in front of our own uh, in front of our equipment yeah so there was a lot more room on stage for all the support bands than there would have been so in a certain sense we did everybody a favor and then at the end the guy wants to fuck us so it's like wow
0: <laughs> not fair at all man it's not fair messed up man. yeah well,
1: that's it but it's not fair it's not it's not meant to be and no one says it has to be yeah. so that's what it is
0: <laughs> are there any uh, plans for a, a second movie or a documentary
1: no there were but it kind of went away and i don't really care uh, it's, here nor there for me as far as I'm concerned the job was done I, I don't really need to go through that anymore why what's the point yeah now, now here's the that's how I feel about it what's the point I'm,
0: I'm, I'm I I'm. yeah I, I'm
1: living the sequel exactly. that's better
0: that's way better <laughs> Yeah. now let's talk about Rob Reiner your best friend Uh how does it feel having a friend like that for since you were kids must be awesome
1: yeah, I mean I don't know that everybody does and I didn't realize that not everybody does but I I suppose that both of us came to realize that we were pretty lucky to have that but like anything in life you take it for granted you don't start thinking you know the only way that you're going to appreciate having parents is if you have if you don't have parents yeah. <laughs> if you understand what I mean. <laughs> you kind of t- take what you have for granted and it's what you don't have that you kind of like, I wish I had it. <laughs> so I guess that's a best way that I could explain it. So it's yeah. not a matter of, of, you realize that you're lucky, you realize that, that it's all good, but you don't, you, you're not over, it's not an, an, something you emphasize and think about it all the time, you know?
0: You can see it in the, in the movie, you can see the, the friendship, man. You can see the, the bond, the, the... It's just awesome. It's, you can see right through, man. That's awesome.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, here's a different question. Uh, what's your best gig and your worst gig? I mean, we, we've all seen the documentary, but...
1: Best gig? Hmm. That's impossible to think of. Yeah. That's impossible to think of. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> what are you gonna say is the best gig? <laughs> Could have been opening for Saxon. It could have been opening for ACDC. It could have been opening for Metallica. It could have been opening for Motorhead. It could have been. <laughs> and, and the list, can you just keep going on and on. And if you say one, then you're discounting all the others. So, no, I, it, there is no real favor.
0: Yeah, There's too many uh, of those.
1: What's, what's the worst gig I've ever played? I'm trying to think, you know. And then even that is, I did a New Year's at, a, at, at our rehearsal place at a rehearsal place that we used to have a rehearsals at and it must be about 15 to 20 years ago and no one was there <laughs> <laughs> the guy gave us the guy gave us free rent and everything so he set us up on stage we we had done uh, a sound check and everything we came up we went to go play and there's like no one there so I go well why did you where is everybody he goes I don't know really no one showed up to the party <laughs> oh, wow <laughs> So he said, okay, well, what the hell, we set up and we might as well play a bit. So we played a bit and then we tore it all back down and put it back in the rehearsal room. And that was the end of it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It was a quick rehearsal.
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, all we did was, you see, they had a big room, this big, huge room with a stage in it. And then there were the other rooms that were just our rehearsal rooms, right? (laughs) So all we did was move our stuff down the hall, set it up on the stage and played. But there's no one there. No, who's gonna come to a rehearsal hall for a New Year's party? Like, I don't know. <laughs> and the guy wants money when you get when you get to the door because 'cause he's gone out and bought booze. So he's got like fucking, you know, 20 bottles of whiskey and all this shit, and no one showed up. Wow. So you had to take it all back. To, he took all the stuff the neck after the weekend. He took all the booze back to the. To the uh, liquor liquor store, and they took it back. But still, yeah, it's something like a couple thousand dollars worth of of, of bottles there. What a story, and, man! Wow. Yeah, a story, and that, that's what. And you know, generally, we don't play New Years. Uh, I've only played a couple New Years in, in all my years. Yeah. And only only the the, the I did two two New Years uh, gigs in Timmins, Ontario back in 1979 and 1980 it might have been uh the new years of 1979 going to 80 and 80 to 81. those two those two new years i played up in timmins and and then the next one was like probably that rehearsal room that rehearsal thing and then a third one a third one was at the same place you know where i had my 50th birthday Oh yeah, I saw the, it. at the same at that same place. Yeah, uh-huh. and I, generally that's it. We just don't play New Year's. It's, it's not a good idea.
0: Yeah, I understand. I see you guys uh, have a 2021 European tour coming up. Uh,
1: yeah, it's the it's the remainder of the tour that we had started in March. So we're hoping that by next October November we're able to go out and play again. Yeah, hopefully. Fingers crossed.
0: Right? Hopefully. So that, that was one of my questions. What can fans expect from Lips and Anvil in the future after the COVID thing? Of course, any U.S. tours, any, any? Uh... Oh
1: yeah. Well, we're, we're planning on it, but we have to wait till, till we can. There's yeah. no sense. There's no sense. Well, right now we can't even cross the border, so there's no sense. You can't even get. You can't get work visas. You can't even plan it. Yeah. You can't for the thing because there's no one knows you can't so we'll see yeah. but we 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 are very due to come to the USA to at least for the legal at last tour we haven't done it yet so yeah we're due to do it and let's hope let's hope that this COVID thing goes away fast, soon enough that we can we can certainly it's not going to happen in the next two months that's for sure
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like to send a message to the rock metal fans listening to this podcast? Well, i just like to say I can't wait to get
1: back to touring just like everybody else in this business. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I, I wish everybody to stay safe, try to stay healthy, eat properly, sleep properly, so even when the COVID hits, it doesn't do anything to you, okay? So <laughs> I've already been there and done it, and it's not the nightmare that they're making it out to be. If you're not old and compromised health, you're probably going to you're definitely going to be fine.
0: Appreciate the time, lips, appreciate make, making time and all that.
1: Okay, have a good night. I'll speak to you soon.
0: We invite you to listen to our radio show, our radio station J-Rocks Metal Zone at jrocksmetalzone.com to hear the latest metal rock, metal, old school metal. And all kinds of metal for you guys. JROCKSMETALZONE.COM that is. And of course to all the people that support our podcast. That Metal Interview Podcast. Thank you for supporting us on Spotify, Deezer. And wherever you might listen to our podcast and your podcast. Because without the public, we are nothing really. So thank you public. Thank you Rockers, Thrashers, headbangers, Guys and Girls. Thank you for supporting our podcast. And we hope you guys enjoyed our interview. Our chat with uh, legendary Steve lips kudlow lead vocalist guitarist for anvil rob reiner on drums chris robertson on the bass guitar and you guys can find him online anvil go check them out support support this band support their albums stream download purchase uh, purchase merchandise now that a lot of bands are not working a way of supporting rock metal would be to purchase uh, merchandise t-shirts hats Headbands or whatever they might have on their website for sale. So go ahead and do that It's a, a good way of supporting these guys. So uh, thank you uh, for people that um, Send in fan questions and all that. So thank you for supporting us on social media Thank you for people that subscribe to YouTube our YouTube channel and all that stuff. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you So anyways, don't forget to keep it metal <laughs> That middle interview.